Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MF Gamers podcast, where we uh, I talk to a guest from the forum about their top 10 games of all time. So it doesn't have to be in order, but uh, it's just people talking about some of their favourite games. Seems like a good idea for a podcast. And joining me this week is Hendo. Hello. You've come up with 10. Well done. Yep. Not 12, not not 9. <laughs> you've, you've, done, you've done the... I don't know minimum. anyone that would do that. Yeah, yeah. So, first question then is, before we start the uh, the list, is, was it easy to come up with a list? Yes and no. Ordering it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. No. And there were lots of games that I wanted to add, and in the end, this is a representation of my top ten that, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, will probably be completely different. Yep. But I made this list as we were recording about two weeks ago, something like that. And I'm still sticking with it, so... Yeah, I think what it's sort of taught me quite quickly is maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, if, if it's all right, they're all right. As long as there's, like, a couple that you're like, that has got to be on there. Everything else, it's like, yeah, that's fine. I wouldn't argue if someone said that's one of your favourite games. I'd be like, yeah. One of the things I've always thought is coming up with the top 100, I'd be forgetting stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it, it did everything sort of come quite easy. Because you've got a couple of fairly obscure things in here. Uh, I guess so. It depends on... If you'd been on that forum since the beginning, some of these wouldn't be so obscure. But to everyone else, they probably would be. Yeah. Maybe that's a topic we'll come back to. But um, the only other question then, or the the following question is, and you sort of hinted at it before, are these in order? They are, yes. I was toying with the idea of just putting 10 up. But then... When it came to the game that is my number one, that had to be number one. Yeah. And everything kind of fell into place from there. So it was like, oh, okay, well, this one should go up here. This one should go down here. And in the end, it was... The end result was quite easy, but the beginning was hard. Sometimes it's, you know, what's the difference between 96% as a score and 97% as a score, really? Yeah. So when you start getting to ninth and 10 best game you've ever played, what's the difference, yeah. really? On that note, then, let's start with um, number 10, the 10th best game you've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that makes it sound uh, so final when you say it like that. <laughs> I know, yeah. This is the thing. It, it could change, and it's, again, that's something we might get to. But, um, yeah, so the number 10 on your list is the original Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, not the reboot from 2006. That's uh, No. That's, that's not a game I've ever played or want to. My story for Sonic the Hedgehog is I had a Commodore 64 in the 80s, like a lot of people, I guess, or oh, Spectrum or whatever. And uh, Amstrad, that's it, me. Yeah. Wow. We we looked down our nose at you. And <laughs> uh, us and the Spectrum lot looked, uh, got bandied together one time to, to look down on Amstrad. To make it worse, mine was a green screen as well. We didn't even have, we didn't even have a color screen, and we didn't have the disc drive. It was the cassette <laughs> uh, slot built into or tape drive built into the keyboard. Oh, you poor boy! Yeah, but um, yeah. So a lot of the time through the eighties and early nineties, I was playing Commodore sixty four. Didn't because our family was poor, couldn't move on to the Atari ST or Amiga, and the Mega Drive came out late eighties, I think. That was far too expensive. And the idea of £40 a game, even then, especially, was just absurd. So I wasn't able to join in the 16-bit generation until a mate from school brought around his Mega Drive with Sonic. 
and it just completely blew me away. I'd never seen anything so crazy. It was literally like there was an arcade machine in my house. Yeah. I'd never seen something look that good. Because it is something that gets forgotten about. Like, we say, oh, no one had ever seen anything like it, and they, they think about the speed, or people talk about the speed of it and stuff. But how chunky the graphics were. Like, he was a big character, and they were big, chunky stages, and, like, everything about it was larger and crisper than you'd seen before. Like, platformers didn't look like that before. Yeah. And the speed of it as well, that I have a, my memory of, I know exactly where I was sitting in my parents' living room, just staring at the Mega Drive, then back to the TV screen, then staring at the Mega Drive, then back to the TV screen, utterly convinced that the thing was just going to start smoking. It's like, how is it doing that? That's crazy. Mm. And my mum, when I got one, uh, that was what convinced me to just pester my mum to get me one. And then I remember her watching me play it just utterly bewildered, like, how are you controlling that thing? That's too fast. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, skill, you know. First time I saw it being played was, uh, like, Boxing Day. Went to, uh, on our estate, went round to, uh, there's a few kids on this estate, and um, we all just sort of went out the next day, like, on our bikes or whatever, and um, this lad had got a Mega Drive, and his house had, like, an office at the front. Well, it's maybe a bit grand, but, you know. And he was sat playing it, and we could see it through the window, but he wouldn't let us in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we were just watching. And it's one of those where you're like, you want to, your instinct is to go, well, fuck off then. But we were always going, oh, so we just stand here and watch it for a bit because it looks looks pretty good. But yeah, it, it, what I find as well when you go back to Sonic, because I, I, Sonic 1 might, I might be with you that it's it's better. I, I prefer it to Sonic 2. Hmm. Um, I think I might prefer Sonic 3 but Sonic 1 is a very different game than people think it is it's not just running forward and Green Hill Zone maybe but you get to Marble Zone the second level and it's you have to be very deliberate Yeah, so it's quite a slow level after that and maybe that's a legacy from how platformers were but yeah it isn't the game people think it is I don't think no I think it's uh, it's certainly definitely the only one on here and it might be the only game that I've ever played pretty much once every year Yeah, that I'll go back to it and I'll play through and finish it and I still think it holds up There's like the underwater bits are a bit shit and yeah. especially if you went into it thinking it was a fast game then yeah I can imagine that being disappointing there's other things about everything that surrounds Sonic that has not aged well like the idea of that character being created to rival Mario and here's the edgy character we've created it, it's like um, what's that char- that parody on the Simpsons uh, Poochie is it yep it's it's like that it's like how edgy and teen and rebellious can we make it it was clearly designed for 10 year old boys or 12 and I was like 12 13 at the time so it was fine <laughs> and it, it's still what's weird as well is He's despite the games maybe not keeping up. Although Sonic Mania, I guess that's something I was going to ask as well is what you thought of that. But like the characters endured, and it's still popular, it's still cartoon series. I like where I worked. The um, kids would sometimes come into the office or like owners' kids, and and they'd they'd play through emulators. They'd go and play a Sonic game or something like that. So it's it's still popular with with kids. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I get the final thought on it. I guess is. They've had Sonic Mania as a reboot, a return, I guess. And was that was that something you still enjoyed? And 
Yeah, I need to go back and finish it, but I really enjoyed what I played of it. I think I got stuck, as bizarre as that sounds, getting stuck on a Sonic game. No, I, th- I think I remember the bit as well, because I think there was a few of us talking about is it, um, the side of a, an airship. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, it's I think that bit's just badly designed, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. So Sonic was number 10, mm. the original Sonic. Uh, number nine, you've got Mario Kart DS. Yeah, I was kind of tempted to put Mario Kart 8 because I think that's probably the best overall Mario Kart. But I think back to my time on Mario Kart DS uh, and for many, many reasons, it's an important game. I think it's one of the best, if not the best Mario Kart. Nintendo and their online stuff is, was never, never the easiest. But that game in particular is the entire reason why I am speaking to you right now. Yeah. Because that was the first game that was the DS Online stuff. And that was the game that made me, Ildog, Ed, you, whoever else at the time, decide to get together and try and organize stuff to play online on a crappy online connection. So... If for the importance, I've and for the, the I loved it as well. But yeah, for all of those reasons, I think Mario Kart DS has to be there at least somewhere on the list. Yeah, and like I say, it's a it's a cracking Mario Kart as well. Yeah, it was. It would have been. I was gonna say, was it the first three D one? But I guess probably um, no. The N sixty four one, and I've forgotten about the GameCube one as well. Yes, uh, Double Dash, which yeah. is actually my favorite Mario. Uh, I, I uh, think- Mario Kart. I think I hate it. <laughs> yeah, well, this I I've talked because it's on someone else's list, and it's something that I I've, I've been wondering about. Is it does seem to be a a very much a divisive one. That there's some people like me that I that was the one I liked. I don't really like Mario Kart. I've never really enjoyed it, but that one for whatever reason was the one I liked. But it's the one people who not necessarily people who like who are more into it because that's not necessarily true. But the people who don't like it are very adamant they don't like it. Hmm. And I can't place why, but it just—I remember the, the tracks feeling quite wide compared to some of the others, and I don't know whether it's stuff like that that got in the way. It was more—it was the first gimmicky one, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to go back to it and play in the way it was designed with someone else, because the whole thing is like the double dash—you have two people on one car. Yeah, but I only played either single player. Or split screen versus, yeah. Um. So I never played how it was meant to be. I don't think I did. Anyway, I can't remember playing it. That's the point I was going to get to, though. Is um, is this a series you've gone back to? Have you gone back to the DS one? Um. Have you gone back to the SNES one? The I presume you're not going back to the N64 one, Double Dash and stuff, just because they're harder to go back to. Practically harder to go back to. Not necessarily, you know, harder to replay. Yeah, I, I'm talking about this too loaded a question, but <laughs> I'm just wondering, have you gone back to the older ones as well, or, or is it a case of once the new one comes out, you just move on and move on? No, no, uh, my first Mario Kart was the N64 one, and I remember watching people in school, we had like a computer club and, you know, like uh, uniform free days or whatever, people yeah. would bring in, people like someone brought in a SNES and they had it hooked up, and I remember watching people play F-Zero and Mario Kart and thinking it was kind of impressive but also looked a bit shit because of the 
scaling thing. And I was a Mega Drive kid, so obviously I looked shit. Yeah. And uh, I never played the SNES one until after the polygonal Mario Karts. And I don't like the original Mario Kart that much. It plays nope. <laughs> vastly, vastly different. Yeah. I say that sort of Mode 7 racer doesn't do it for me. I didn't like um, F-Zero on, on the SNES. Anyway, I, I, let's not upset people. <laughs> no, no it's, it's exactly the same thing. I, I love the later F-Zeros. Don't like the original. Love the later Mario Karts. Don't like the original. I've never yeah. gone back to Mario Kart DS, actually, because I don't know where my DS is, and I never got a free DS. I don't even know if their online stuff from that era is still working. I seem to remember they turned it off, but I could be wrong I with that. Re- yeah, I know they turned the Wii stuff off, but I can't remember the DS. Yeah, I think it was all part of the same thing, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, I've gone back to the, the 64 one a few times. Obviously, it looks rough as hell, but... I got it on the virtual console on the Wii and they yep. cleaned it up quite a bit in the emulation, so that was quite good. I've never gone back to Double Dash since the GameCube days. Obviously, I've gone back to Mario Kart 8 because I bought it twice. Uh, I didn't get the 3DS one because I didn't have a 3DS. That's about it, really. Oh, and the Game Boy Advance one. I quite like that one. Yeah, which is a, a touch-up version of the SNES one, I guess, so it felt like it a bit. Yeah, for um, some reason I, I like that one, but I didn't really like the, the yeah. SNES original. So that was um, Mario Kart DS, and uh, the next one on your list, number eight, is N+. Yes. So this, I'm guessing, was it a 360 uh, indie game? Yeah, I think it was originally a Flash game on the PC. Yeah. Um, just called N. And then N+, was possibly on the PC as well, but I played it on Live Arcade. And there's been a more recent N++, which is definitely on the PS4, which is where I have it. might be on Xbox One and PC as well, I'm not sure. Um, I haven't played as much as I'd like of N++, but N++ is one of, if not the best, co-op games I've ever played. As a single-player game, it's really, really cool. But the co-op, Way, the way that works is just incredible. There is no other co-op game I've played where you have to play as a team. You have to communicate. And I played that so much with my best mate who now plays very little video games. But there's a handful that I can encourage him to play or be involved with. Uh, one is Uncharted that he absolutely loves. He loves stuff like Sherlock Holmes games and adventure games where we play together and work yeah. stuff out. And N+, he will always want to play N+. Always. It's fantastic. It's uh, we've, we've been there for hours and hours and hours, and it's like three in the morning. We started at seven at night. And we're still playing the same game and probably the same level as well, just dying over and over. It's like, this is impossible. No one could do this. It, uh, I Of the more obscure ones on, in my list, this one I heartily recommend to people. And if they... Don't bring out the old machines anymore. Try M plus plus. It's normally on a sale, so yeah. Um, so it's it's quite a the easy comparison, I guess, is to something like Super Meat Boy, but it's um, it's a very fast. Oh, I remember of it being a very fast. You were a very small character on quite large levels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of difficult platformer. Yeah, but I, I do remember it being fast uh, character being small, but that sort of precision 
platforming. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's um, kill rooms. They are, I think they might, maybe it's different in the, the newer one, but I think they're all single screen. They're not scrolling. Yeah. And you have you have a starting position and you have an exit and you might have keys to find to open and lock doors or it's just simply a case of get from the beginning to the end and that's it. And in the co-op versions, it'll be uh, one person has to get to the exit or both people have to get to different exits. Both people have to, like, I think one of the standard ways of doing the co-op is we're blocked off. You've got the key to open my door. I've got the key to open your door. Therefore, you have to both play together. Yeah. And, and work as a team. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's, yeah, it's definitely up there of some of my best gaming moments of screaming blue murder at the person you're playing with. <laughs> you fucking idiots. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You have to play as a team. It's it's the only way. Or the single player, though, is, is certainly good enough. But the reason it's on my list is for the co-op. Yeah, I, I didn't even realise it had... I don't remember it having co-op. I didn't play it a huge amount. But, um, so yeah, I was a bit surprised that co-op was, was the reason just because I wasn't aware, but I could I could see that. So if that's number eight, number seven is Puzzle Quest, which yeah. I'm going to presume was the DS version. Uh, that was where I first played it, yeah. And I probably played it the most on DS. And then it came out on the 360 on Live Arcade, and I bought it again yeah. and played it on there. I can't remember if I bought it a third time. I think it came out on smartphones. Yeah, I can't remember if I've played it there. But yeah, Puzzle Quest is a falling block puzzle match-free kind of game, but mixed with an RPG system that I guess now is just a norm. Everything has an RPG system. But back then it was a revelation, and I just absolutely loved it. I didn't like... The art style could be a bit rough. Yeah. Some of the menus and UIs were, were not great. But I just sunk so much time into that. I just, yeah, it's fantastic. You mentioned the forum before, and it was another game that was very popular on the forum. I mean, it, it, uh, to give a bit of context, the, the forum used to be, it's going to sound terrible saying this, but kind of homogenous in that you'd get, because it was a, a DS forum, largely, yeah. Um, we maybe had other things, but that was why you were on there. You'd get people, and we, we were all buying from the same place, this shop called Movie Time, because the dollar was worth half what the pound was. So we were importing stuff from America, and so we'd all, or not necessarily everyone on the site, because you'd get a bit of mix and stuff, but you'd end up with people who'd never played, played a Pokemon game before bought Pokemon, because everyone else was buying Pokemon, and... Um, and so something like Puzzle Quest would come out and a bunch of people would play that. Or um, Phoenix Wright was another one and yeah. stuff like Oenden, I guess. But yeah, so it, it was a game that quite a few people played on the on the forum. And, and like I say, it's not the first game to mix up puzzles and some other gameplay. Stuff like Twinkle Star Sprite and um, I guess uh, Puzzle Pu- Fighter. Yeah, stuff, Puzzle, Puzzle Fighter. Fighter. I think Puzzle Fighter is an actual fighting game. I forget, the Street Fighter puzzle game. Anyway, I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, so it, it, it was the one... That, looking back now, it seems to have started the... That template became what a lot of mobile games are. Yeah. A lot of free-to-play mobile games and stuff. But but yeah, it, it was a really good game at the time. Yeah, I, I uh, haven't gone back to it since the 360 version, but if they brought out Puzzle Quest Super HD or something, I'd probably buy it. They'd probably be riddled with 
in-app purchases and all that <laughs> yeah. shit now. But yeah, I'd, um, I I just have so many fond memories of playing the shit out of that. Again, that's that's one of the great DS games, which I guess leads on to the next one. So number six in your list then is 42 all-time classics, which might be a bit of an obscure one and a bit of a surprising one for people who, again, maybe weren't on the forum back then. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to let you talk about it because uh, you certainly played it a lot more than I did. This was also known as Clubhouse Games because you mentioned before that people importing from America. Yeah. And in America, it was known as Clubhouse Games, which is probably a better name than 42 all-time classics, which is one of the most generic sounding names ever. Yeah, it's the sort of thing you'd see on a spinning shelf thing on like in Asda or Tesco or something that, you know, £10, it's the sort of stuff your parents who had DSs would buy to take on holiday or something like that. Yeah, and it's full of stuff like, um, I think there was Solitaire, there was Ludo was a big favourite, I can't remember many more. <laughs> it was 42... Like, not all 42 were, were actually all great, but there was 42 games on there that were card games and board games. And the the reason that we all bought it was because it was online and it had the best system for Nintendo, which was it used PictoChat. Yeah. And it was just phenomenal. There was uh, so much fun playing, like, games of Ludo for hours and hours. And there was... Um, I remember it was me, Ill Dog, it might have been you, uh, Chins on Mark, the uh, Dearly Departed Mark. And I just, I have, my firmest memory of that game is playing Ludo and him um, like knocking someone out and then drawing a picture on PictoChat saying, get in your cage. And there's like a little, little picture of the Ludo piece in a cage. Uh, yeah, it was just fantastic. I um, I just love that game so much. It's a game I'd kind of forgotten about. I don't think I even own it anymore. I don't, know if, I don't know where it is if I do. And I was never as into it as other people, but I had it to play online. But yeah, it's a game of its time. It's it's a real sort of time bubble game that not necessarily if you played it now it wouldn't be any good because, as it says in the title, these are all-time classics. Yeah. But that experience of playing it, we couldn't recreate that now. If we all agreed to get together and play it, it would not be the same. It You know, it... it it needed to be of its time. Yeah, I've uh, I've googled um, what's in it, and some of the bring back memories. There's card games. I won't go into all of them. I won't read it all forty two, but the ones I remember the most are blackjack, rummy, five card draw, Texas Hold'em. Yeah, we must have played that quite a lot. We played Texas to. Hold'em a lot, and blackjack as well. The board games you've got uh, checkers, which we played quite a bit, chess, Ludo. Variety games, uh, I don't word balloon that rings a bell, but dominoes as well. I think we played quite a bit. Action games was bowling, which I remember playing. Um, and there's three single player games: solitaire, escape, and mahjong solitaire. I hate mahjong. So I've, yeah, I've never understood it really. No, some great times playing those games. So um, I was going to hold off asking this, uh, sorry, something later on, but I was going to ask people what their what their favourite console is hmm. i guess and looking at your list and maybe i'm i'm wrong with this maybe it's the 360 instead but it comes across as though the ds would be it's only up there if not if not your favorite oh yeah it'd definitely be up there 
it changes quite often. Sometimes I'll think, oh, the GameCube was my favorite. And then the Mega Drive would be my favorite. And then the Commodore 64 would be my favorite. And then you have the more recent stuff, like I've hammered the, the arse off the PlayStation 4. I also adored, for all of its fragility, the uh, 360. Like, you'd breathe on it and it'd fall over, but the games on it I absolutely loved. Mm. The DS was phenomenal. And as I said, the DS has a place in my heart because that is the reason why a lot of us got together in the first place. Yeah. That that is a harder question than me putting ten games together, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, because it's well, we'll we'll get to it because there's uh, there's something else I want to uh, want to ask on a similar theme later on, and I've, I'm, I've got my eyes on a particular game that is where I'm going to ask this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but just just be prepared. Right. Um, okay. So if that number six was forty two all time classics, number five, and a few people have picked this, Bioshock. Yes. That was, first of all, that was the game that made me go and buy a 360 or at least join that generation of hardware that wasn't the Wii. Because hmm. before that, it was just Wii and that was all I had. Um, and I had a PS2 as well. But again, that's that same generation of hardware of capability. And seeing all the reviews for Bioshock and watching the video footage of it, and I thought, this game is never going to come to the Wii. And if it does, it's not going to look anywhere close to that. So I had to get a 360, which I did. And yeah, it's phenomenal. It is probably my favorite story in a video game. Yeah. And it is a story that cannot really be told outside of a video game for the way it works. And even all these years later, what, 10 years, 11, 12, I... I still wouldn't want to go into the spoilings of of that in, in case there are people that have never played it or don't know anything about it. Yeah, and it's it's been I know it's not a recent port, but it has come out on this current generation of, of consoles as a as a HD port. Yeah. The gameplay was a little flawed. I don't rail on it as much as a lot of people did at the time when because it, it came out with all these tens and immediately it was just like oh this that's overrated. But the whole experience, I, I completely understand why yeah. it got the reviews it did. The gameplay was better. They made some improvements on Bioshock 2. From what I remember, the the aiming and the, the gunplay. Because I think on the original, you had to switch between a gun or a plasmid. Yes. <clears throat> Whereas on the sequels, they changed it so one trigger was a gun, one trigger was a plasmid, which made more sense. Yeah, and I always thought it meant you could use it more in the way it was intended, which was combine these, uh, combine the powers with the guns. So electrocute someone and then hit them. Yeah. Freeze them and then smash them. That sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's worth saying. I mean, look, the, you know my thoughts on the original Bioshock. Uh, I won't go off on one about it, but it's. We, st- that we still don't see. It was an important game and it still isn't like the standard. Like, as much as. We see better narratives and and story led games. You look at stuff like God of War. All of a sudden, is this pretty good story and certainly well told. Yeah, but that still seems like a novel ish thing, and it's certainly not dealing with some of the issues that Bioshock does. Not that it necessarily, you know, you can um and ah about whether or not it does a great job or not, but it's certainly like 
the intro to that game, I'm not necessarily the intro, the very intro, but the, the bit in the bathosphere with Ryan talking to you and various other bits, there's so many cool moments. Like the atmosphere of that game yeah. was something else. And that must it must be hugely difficult to do and how much of it is just pure luck. People just buy into it and, you know, it's great, but not everyone cares. It doesn't work for everyone and it just happened that Bioshock did. It's certainly got its, even I as a critic of it, would say it's got its its place, and it it led to very like even just within Bioshock, you've obviously got Bioshock Two, which people maybe don't need to exist, but that led to the um, uh, I forget what it's called, the DLC for it, Minerva's Den. Yeah, and that was pretty cool. And Bioshock Infinite again, huge problems with with the story in that and various bits of how they piece the world together. But it's still when it came out, there's still not a huge amount like it. It's not like oh, this has been done better here, here, and here. Whilst I've got my issues with it in terms of how it goes about what it does, that someone attempted to put a message or a theme in a game, I think is um, it shouldn't be overlooked that that was a game that was really successful at a particular time on a particular platform, I guess, that tried to do a bit more. Yeah, I would agree that a lot of people's things on it that the ending wasn't great, or not the ending as such, but the the last couple of hours, I suppose. Like, uh, doing a fetch quest and then doing a, a really generic boss fight. Yeah. If it had ended after the reveal, then that would have pretty much been perfect. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things where people are going to... Memories maybe going to play tricks on people. They're going to think that's the end of the game. People are going to remember that, because it feels like that's probably where it should end. Yeah. I have I've issues with I've always had issues with when a game says ah but you did this and it's going well yeah the other option is to not play so because Spec Ops has a similar thing and yeah it can be a bit it's it's fine the messaging's fine it's just the nature of what it is 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 the problem anyway we should probably move on from that so um, number five was Bioshock number four very different game very in a lot of different ways and I think you are the only I think there's one other person who's picked a mobile game. Right. Um, and you've you've picked Clash Royale. Yeah, a bit of a controversial decision because it's a free-to-play game. And we've spoken about it before, not in great detail, but uh, you're a bit shocked of I spent quite a bit of money on it. Yeah. It's, hey, it's your money. It, not anymore. It's gone to them. <laughs> yeah, true. It's one of the best playing games I've ever played in my life. The mechanics of it, the way it works, everything about the way it plays is just perfect. The thing that pays for it, basically, is what puts people off, which I can completely understand. But I urge anyone interested in the design of video games to play Clash Royale for a week, a few days, maybe, because... It is so perfect in how it works and the um, stone, paper, scissors kind of gameplay. It's just phenomenal. It's only the pay system that puts people off playing a long time. But I've played it two or three years consistently now. And I have put money into it, but I could probably have got away with not spending any money. But I wanted to give them money. And then it's just like, yeah, I'll just feed them a tenner here, tenner there. Yeah, it's just phenomenal. I can't find any other way of describing it. So, it's it's not a game I know a lot about. 
to be honest, I've not. I don't think I've seen it being played. Maybe I have, but I guess the the question around it is: a, it's quite a recent game, which is not a bad thing by any means. But it being a, a mobile game, do you think that's something that'll change? If if we were to ask this in ten years, fifteen years, people's maybe not so much on the forum. This is why I was thinking with it was. Um, I don't know that there's going to be. A, I can't see myself all of a sudden starting to play lots of mobile games. Hmm. But you look at some of the younger people on the the forum, uh, and if we were to get new blood on the forum, essentially, the next generation coming up maybe aren't going to differentiate between it. Like they might say PUBG or Fortnite, and we'll be thinking the PC version or the Xbox version or PS4 version or whatever. But actually, they they played it on the phones and. And that's how they played those games. So, yeah. Do you think that is something that's going to change in the way we look at traditional gaming? Is is like this? Uh, oh, this is more worthy. I guess is maybe going to shift. Yeah, I don't really see the difference myself. To be honest, a game is a game. The only times that I will, you know, like you get people with music who go like, "Oh, that's not real music," and yeah. it's just being snobs. Basically, it's like is a uh, some form of notes and melody and rhythm. Yes, then it's music. Fuck off. And I'm the same with games. That The only time that something is not a game is if it's literally a visual novel and you are not doing anything, then that's not really a game. Yeah. If you're having no input in it whatsoever, then that's not a video game. But everything else is fair game, and I don't really differentiate between the systems, really. I think that the phones are certainly... People think of phone games now, and it, I guess they'll either think of crappy touch controls for games that shouldn't be touch controls, or it's all free to play. Yeah, that's the downside. I think that is well, some way justified. The transient as well, like you know, something that could be a hugely popular mobile game could be completely forgotten. Yeah, like within a month. So you look at stuff like Flappy Bird or Crossy Road or something. They were huge. No one talks about them anymore. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd, I'd argue for any god, but uh, that's neither here nor there. It might still be someone's favourite because that was what they played a lot of. People played a lot of it. Farmville on the Facebook. I said the Facebook then. I'm really sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ben, you've become like 70. I know, yeah. I, I, it's, cause I'm not, it's not because I'm not on there. It's just because, you know, very warm. <laughs> like people play Farmville a lo- so much. And no one talks about it. It's one of those things that if you mention it, someone, oh shit, yeah, and thought, you know, people have just forgotten about it. Yeah, and it, it it's a weird thing that maybe doesn't have that cataloging. And yeah, it's just a like I wonder if that's something that's always going to count against mobile games and indie games and so on and so on. Is people just forget that they played them and forget that they liked them. So number four was Class Royale. Number three again, bouncing through the different different types of games, Dark Souls. Yeah, originally this was going to be Bloodborne. I was going to ask why this and not not any of the others. It was going to be Bloodborne because I couldn't decide. I didn't want to go. Oh, uh, Dark Souls three is better than Dark Souls one or two, but Dark Souls one came first. So you know what? I'm going to choose Bloodborne because that's the same kind of thing but slightly different. And it's on, as of yet, it hasn't got a sequel. So there you go, Bloodborne. That's that's there, and it's certainly that might be number eleven on my list. In all honesty, or twelve. But yeah. 
in the end, I thought, you know what? I still haven't finished Dark Souls. I haven't finished the remaster. I haven't finished the original one. But the impact that game had and the way that changed the way I play games and the games that I play, I don't think can be um, overstated. It's, as I said on the uh, Souls special we did, me and Rich, the level design it completely blew me away in Dark Souls 1. I'd never seen anything like it. It was just so surprising and amazing. And the difficulty that until that point I'd been playing pretty much like I'll hold your hand games. The next game on my list is that in it, in essence, <laughs> in fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dark Souls completely turned all that around and went, oh, I actually like being challenged because I'd steered so far away from that. I wouldn't play every game on easy, but I'd stick with the default like normal setting and basically just breeze through, play the game through, finish it, move on to the next game, play it through, finish it. And I'd never, like the idea of playing a game, I'll get to this section, I die, I get to this section, I die, I get to this section, I die, but I keep playing it. That that would have never occurred to me before to just repetitively go through every section over and over and over again. It's 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 bizarre. I mean, we're, we're of a similar age and you were talking about Commodore 64 and Mega Drive and stuff before. That is how we played games. Yeah. Because games were just Fucking, they they were hard when we yeah. were kids. And obviously, it's not that there's no hard games. You've you've pointed to N plus, obviously Dark Souls and so on. Uh, Super Meat Boy, we mentioned. There's there's plenty of hard games now. In fact, you've probably got a resurgence of it. But it was something when we were younger in the eight and sixteen bit era, and prior to the eight bit, I guess. That was how games were. They weren't, you know, if you were good at them, you could get them done in an hour, forty minutes, maybe. But that was the whole point because a lot of them were arcade games and stuff. But yeah there would just be a lot of trial and error, I guess, and having to get good or get lucky to get past things. Yeah. So the other question I've got with um, with Dark Souls, given that as the series has progressed, and particularly like you look at Bloodborne, I think I've not played them a huge amount. Uh, I've played a little bit of Bloodborne recently. It seems much faster and so on. It seems like a, a better game. That might sound like a... <laughs> I'm not saying what I'm saying there, just that it's a, a more well-made game i guess it flows better and it's smoother and so on and so on is this a case of and again this isn't a criticism i'd say there's probably games in my list that would would fall into this of where how it was when you played it the memory what that game is to you not what it actually is right um so the first time you played it your memory of it is what it is rather than if you would i were to play it for the first time now kind of thing is that an example of, of that overriding maybe if you were to go back to it like you're never going to be able to play dark souls for the first time again no so it's it's loaded in that way and, and so maybe that's why any improvements in two and three in bloodborne don't match up to the first time you played it yeah like i said that that was the reason i i went with dark souls one in the end because the impact it had but as a game i think that dark souls three is the best of the certainly of the soul series yeah, and it's a toss up between Dark Souls Three and Bloodborne. Probably Bloodborne, like you said. I've um, not so many words, but I think that's the more accessible one, maybe. Yeah, not to say that it's it's a walk in the park, but it's uh, the systems maybe are a bit more accessible and the combat maybe. I think it's the one that if you started there and tried going backwards through the series, you might struggle. Yeah, 
more uh, quality of life improvements, I guess. Uh, not that it's like a, a save anywhere option no. <laughs> or anything. But yeah, anyway. So uh, number two on your list then is Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. It is. So is this for the, um, and maybe it's for both, but the multiplayer or the story or the single player campaign? It's for both, but mainly the multiplayer. Yeah. The campaign is really good and I played through oof, uh, at least two times, I would say. I think I there was I think there was four difficulties. There was easy, normal. I want to say advanced and veteran. I could be wrong, and it was a real badge of honor to finish it on veteran. And I did, but I didn't do the very last mission. There's a notorious mission. I don't know if you've ever played Call of Duty Four, or you I know the know. mission. I've played. I've played. Which is the one with um, no Russian? That's the second Modern Warfare. Okay, I don't think I've played the first one then. Right, the the very end of um, it's like a prologue mission or an epilogue, whichever epilogue probably. And you're on a plane and you've got to fight your way from one end of the plane to the other. Oh, mile high achievement. Yeah, yeah. That on veteran, I was there for days and I gave up in the end. It's just too hard. I finished the entire game. I finished the campaign on veteran. It took a long time, but I did it. And that was the mile high stuff. It was like, nope, I'm I'm never going to do this. That it's never going to happen because they know exactly where you are at all times. It's just cheating AI scum. But yeah, the multiplayer is phenomenal. I heard a lot about it a lot when it came out, and I wasn't massively into first person shooters. I loved GoldenEye, and there was a game on the GameCube called Thirteen. It was like a cell shaded thing. Yeah, I remember that, and I like stuff like that. But I wasn't like a, you know, guns out bro kind of first person shooter guy. It wasn't really my kind of thing. But I heard so much about it. And the sound of the multiplayer did put me off because oh, as you level up and you get better, you get more toys to throw at people. So that sounded really unbalanced to me. Mm. But for some reason it works. And I just fell in love with it. I played so much of it. And also Call of Duty 4 is the basis of where I came across the best gamer tag I've ever come across in my life, which was uh, Dwayne Dibley. And I was on voice chat at the time, and I was just congratulating the guy, like, you've got an amazing gamer tag. And he was British as well, so, um, yeah, that was fantastic. I think the thing with the um, the multiplayer to me, whenever, because it's not something that I really got into, but watching it getting played, it's a very quick game. Like the not necessarily the I mean yeah the movement to an extent but you can get downed really quick. It's not yeah you know it's not one of those where oh, I'm at forty percent health. I need to like you're kind of if you get shot you're probably dead. Yeah, I mean you know it depends who shoots who first I guess but but then you're back into it fairly quick and it's maybe that's where things have gone. There seems to be more downtime in between picking loadouts, cooldown, that sort of stuff. But it it's what struck me was it's death was less important in those games it was maybe more in common with something like Quake obviously with the more sort of console controls and stuff but yeah it, it was very rapid fire uh, multiplayer match I guess yeah like it's, it was always weird to me that there was a split between it was like the Beatles versus the Stones so like you're either Battlefield or Call of Duty you couldn't be both and I liked the odd Battlefield game I played but I recognised that it was a bit frustrating, like like Sly in particular was just railing on Call of Duty continually. 
and saying how good Battlefield was, but they're two completely different games. All right, on the surface, they're military first-person shooters, but one is a very big, open, slower-paced, more sort of team, like, class-based thing. Yeah. yeah. And one is, like, as you say, like, you run, you die, you run, you die, you run, you die. They are so very, very different, and the controls and the feel of Call of Duty, I just love, I just, it's just fantastic. Uh, it's something I was, I was going to ask when I talked about the DS before, but you've got a few games from a similar sort of era, um, this sort of 360 DS time frame. Yeah, I guess um, so, yeah. And is that, would that be for you the pinnacle, the peak, I guess? Not necessarily for all of gaming, just for you. I guess so, yeah, maybe. There was a time in my 20s with the GameCube era that was that was pretty good. But then, yeah, maybe the, the the peak of the 360 and the peak of the DS was about the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty... And the um, the Wii, when it was exciting, that was around the same time as well. Yeah, there's a few... Again, it's, it's something people... And I'm just cutting over it myself. I, I rate Mario Galaxy as one of the greatest games ever made. Metroid Prime 3 would have been right up there with my favourite games of that generation. I haven't got any Wii games on my list. In fact, I don't think I've got anything from that generation, but um, unless you count DS, and then I have. There was a lot of good games at that time, but I guess in some ways, you maybe it's the the problem is those some of those good games have been have got sequels have been iterated on recently, and yeah. so it maybe sort of taints those. But yeah, like you look at the indie games from that era and stuff. There were some really good games. Like no one's mentioned Braid, and it was a hugely important game at the time. Yeah, I don't think it'd make my top twenty, but it would. Yeah, I, I, I certainly rate it. The one from the Wii, as generic and um, unsurprising as it sounds, is um, I was really toying with putting Wii Sports on there. Yeah, I gave it. I didn't think it anywhere near my list in the end, but I, it did cross my mind. I did think about how much I liked that. Yeah, and I was, as I've mentioned before, there was newer stuff as well, like Overwatch. I was tempted to put on, and maybe you know, this time next year, I probably would do, but. Yeah, once it's had a bit of breathing room. Yeah, that was that would probably be eleven or twelve. Well, I think, that's what I was I was going to ask. Well, you you sort of led into it. Honorable mentions, I guess. Anything that you really you kind of wanted. It's effectively it is in the top ten for you. It, it, but you didn't. You had to cut it down. So anything that missed out. Dark Souls three and Bloodborne probably <laughs> nestled in there. Again, I thought it was a bit of a shame. I could have easily gone like, you know what, I'm going to fuck it, it's my list. Dark Souls, Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne. But that's a waste of what could have been other games. Yeah. So I chose Dark Souls. But yeah, Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 would be in there. Overwatch would probably be in there. Uh, Burnout Paradise. One of the Gears of Wars, probably two or three. I can't remember which one that I played the most out of those two, but... Not the first one so much, but they introduced Horde mode in the second one. And yeah, that's phenomenal stuff. And with the co-op campaign as well, I had such great memories of playing that with Vildog and hearing him swear a little bit. Yeah, I don't know about anything else, to be honest. I said Wii Sports probably would be in there somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably the, the remaining ones that I can think of off the top of my head. So your your number one game, your your favourite game of all time currently, 
probably yeah. to say that, I guess, is uh, it's the most recent game on your list, I think. Um, Legend of Zelda The Breath of the Wild. Yes. This is in there, if for no other reason, I bought it twice. And not in the I bought it twice because it got remastered or, you know, whatever. I bought it twice within the space of about a month because I borrowed a mate's copy. Then I bought my own copy on the Wii U. And then uh, I got a Switch (laughs) and and went, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to buy Zelda again. Also, the other interesting maybe... Maybe uh, people will laugh at me for it. I've played through that game twice. I still haven't finished it because uh, I got to the last boss on the Wii U and I think I had a glitch because I was really struggling to kill the boss and I just couldn't do it. And I had a, I went on a YouTube guide thing. I followed exactly what they said to do and it wasn't working. So I don't know whether I just got bugged. But the other thing that stopped me from wanting to finish it is the way that game ends is you see the credits and then it basically, that's it. And if you load up the save, it's from before the boss fight. Yeah. There is no post-game stuff. And so that kind of put me off, I guess. Yeah, there's a finality to it when it's like, I actually want to keep exploring the world. Yeah. The game that did that for me was New Vegas. I mean, there's quite a few games that, that do it, but New Vegas was the one where it's like, oh... I've started the last. Or I might finish the game. And I'm just. I. I don't want to do that. I want to. Yeah. I want to piss up. Like there's loads of stuff I want to do in this world still. So you end up walking away from the final boss and coming back hours and hours and hours later just to, um, you know. Whereas if you could carry on, but then sometimes seeing the credits is enough to mentally just make you go, "This is done." Yeah. And I can't come back to it. It's just I don't know. I spent so much time in both versions of that game. I just love it. I think it is one of the best games ever made. Mm. Yeah. Of all these, looking at these 10 now, that is the one that I would recommend the most to anyone, I think. I just love that game. I think the design of it is so cool. The way they finally, finally changed the formula for Legend of Zelda. And I'm a sucker for open world sandbox games. And that is one of the best, if not the best, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed because um, obviously one of th- one of the things that puts me off is the the weapon breaking stuff. Yeah, but I was watching a video of something the other day. It was quite old, and um, it was uh, was it Twilight Princess, the last one before this? Uh, no, that was Skyward Sword, I think. Skyward Sword, yeah. The shields in that had a health bar, or a, you know, like a a break eventually thing, and that one had you know you had a hub that you could jump from and end up going to different areas and stuff like that. So some of these ideas, it's not... It's obviously been... A lot of people have assumed they've looked at, say, Skyrim or something and gone, oh, that's where they've... This was successful and that's what they've taken from. Whereas in some ways, it is, there was the roots of this in the last Zelda game. And it's like they've just followed some of them out a bit more. And yeah. it's maybe it's maybe two games down the line rather than one. Or three or four down the line, I guess, the rate they, they change things. But, yeah... Yeah, I don't have a final question. That was it. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else you'd like to uh, add about your list, I guess? Not really. You could probably uh, come back to me in a year and, you know, it could be a wildly different list. Sonic, I think, is, like I said before, I've played it through every year. Yeah. Pretty much. 
So that's more or less that's going to stay where you'd, you'd, you'd expect it to. I'd, I'd say that's a solid, yeah. That's, yeah. that's going to be there somewhere. In an alternative universe, that's number one because it's the most consistently played and, you know, whatever. But that's a solid. Who knows, Clash Royale, I am playing currently, so maybe that either is further down the list or not on the top ten. Yeah, I wonder with that as well, if they were to change it in the way like Hearthstone's been changed and stuff over the years, whether that would affect what you thought of it. Uh, they do some pretty weird changes from time to time and the community gets a little bit unhappy. <laughs> if your last experience with it would colour what you thought of it or whether or not you can, you can divorce that from it. Yeah, I guess. But I think Sonic and Call of Duty 4... Those two, I think, are the, the most dead cert ones. Yeah. In terms of the way that um, the games that change the way I play video games, Call of Duty 4 and Dark Souls are basically that. And the game that I come back to the most being Sonic. So maybe those three are the uh, the lock-ins. Right. Well, thanks for joining me with it. Okay. Um, seems like a good list. The plan is, I, I don't know if yours will be episode one, but... If it is, let's assume it is. Yeah, similar format, I think. And um, we'll go through everyone's list, try and get them done quite quick so that they're uh, more or less locked as to what they are and then release them, I think, once a month. These are these are coming out. So um, keep an eye out for the uh, the podcast that you, person listening to this, is on because that's the only one you're going to care about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I hope it, hope it was enjoyable. It's, I always think it's good to talk about games. It's a nice topic to talk about people's favorite stuff yeah cool thanks for joining me no problem